What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Mo back with another episode of Up in Flames. Today, I got a very special guest. I got my guy, Alec Elijah, draft analyst and columnist for sports from Sports Talk 2319. Alec, what's going on today, bro? What is going on, Mo? Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me on the show, man. Excited. Excited to be here, bro. Yeah, 100%. Um, bro, you know, I'm excited to have you on. You know, I've been peeping a lot of your content, especially with me, you know, being real interested in the draft. Uh, you know, I had to pay attention to what you're doing. So, you know, speaking of what you're doing, bro, let's talk about, you know, your position evaluations, your new position dictionary that you did, you know, for football. Um, obviously, you work with Sports Talk 2319. We know Rashad Phillips basically, you know, updated the position dictionary that we should have for basketball. Uh, I see you did that the exact same thing for football. Obviously, it was a lot harder because there's a lot more positions. But, bro, just tell us everything that went into doing the position evaluations, creating a new position dictionary for football. Well, first off, I mean, you hit it on the nail right away. I mean, Rashad Phillips was really the inspiration for it. That's a, that's my biggest mentor. Uh, I call myself the, the Jedi amongst him because he calls himself Yoda. So uh, I kind of just felt like it was something that needed to be done. I felt like there's a lot of players in this year's draft that were just falling through the cracks because they weren't being looked at correctly. It's not really all the way done like I'd like it to be. I haven't really touched on wide receivers just because I really want to get the complete details, go back in a little bit of history, you know, get a feel for a lot of different guys so I can select their traits and what needs to go where. But, I mean, so far I've done quarterbacks, which I think I've hit on the nail, four types of quarterbacks. There's a fifth one that nobody's really hit on yet. Um, it's kind of one of those quarterbacks that gets – evolved it's kind of a guy that's like Tom Brady Brett Favre it's a field general type of quarterback who can can just he can control the time of the game the pace um what plays he's running if the coach really just gives him that type of leeway um I've done cornerbacks which I actually had a lot of fun of I played a little bit of cornerback in high school um when I was on the team there so that definitely helped me out I have a lot of friends that played cornerback at a higher level than I did um so they also helped me out with the position manual um like I said it's kind of like I would what I would call a beta right now but it's definitely something that's in the works still, but I'm super excited. I hope a lot of people begin to use it. A lot of people have started using it with running backs, which I'm really ecstatic about um, just because running backs are, they're those kind of players that it can go either way. Some of them, especially in today's game where they're like Swiss army knives, sometimes they just have specific traits that are better than others. So they need to be signified compared to a standard back who can just play all three downs. Who's a kettlebell. But yeah. Yeah. 100%. And like I said, bro, you know, I started seeing, you know, a lot of the stuff you were doing. Um, and I, I, I applaud you for going that deep into all these positions. Like you said, you're not even done yet. It's tough, bro. Like when, especially when you talk about skill positions, you probably talking about once you get to receivers, what, five, six, maybe even seven different types of receivers, then evaluating who fall, falls under what category. So I know the type of work, you know, and then you put great graphics and everything around your content so you know not only do you do a good job you know with the the mental side of it thinking about everything but you also did a great job with the graphics part so that you brought your 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 thought process to life everybody was able to see it so with talking about that what was your toughest positions to really grade or, or create you know a new type a new position dictionary a new type of you know, way that we look at these positions just because I know it took a lot of work watching film. So what was the toughest position to really create a whole new dictionary and a new way of how we look at players? I would either say it's going to be between the cornerbacks or the quarterbacks, just because a lot of times with those positions, you can have guys that share similarities or traits that are just very, very, very similar to each other. So take a mobile passer and a dual threat, for example. Both of them utilize their legs, but a dual threat is going to be more known for running the ball and being a threat on the ground, where a mobile passer can be a scrambler type of player who runs out of the pocket and can just throw on the run and on the money mm -hmm. each time. A dual threat does get recognized for his arm, but of course he's going to be recognized more for his legs rather than a passer who's known for passing the actual ball. Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, it's people would hear that term and think the same thing and then you get to break it down to them, and they're like, okay, that makes sense because there is a difference. So who is your number one dual threat in the NFL right now? Who is your number one 
mobile passer based on your position rankings. Who, who's number one in your number one dual threat and your number one mobile passer in the NFL right now? Um, I would say the number one dual threat, it's going to be a hard, it's really going to be a hard tie uh, between Lamar Jackson and, uh, I mean, uh, Kyler Murray. It's going to be a hard tie between them. I like both of their, their play styles. I've watched both of them since college. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super high on Kyler. I'm an Oklahoma Sooner guy, so I'm always going to be high on Kyler. As far as mobile passers, by far the best mobile passer in the game right now is going to be Josh Allen. He's a threat with his legs, and he can scramble out of the pocket when it collapses. It doesn't really collapse because he can sit in the pocket just like a pocket passer, but he has that mobility with his legs that makes a threat. If it collapses, he can tuck the ball and run if needed for 10 to 20 yards, which we've seen him do in game scenarios. Right, 100%. And, you know, I think we've we've been able to see Josh Allen develop right under our eyes. Uh, you know, he was a, a big prospect coming out of college, but I don't think nobody's seen like AFC champions, the quarterback of an AFC championship appearance team um, in year three, if I'm not mistaken, year three, year four, going yeah. into year four. So, you know, he's up for a big contract extension. I know Buffalo saying, you know, there's no rush to get it done, but we know he's going to get a huge payday. Obviously, yeah. we've seen Mahomes and Dak and Russell Wilson and, we're about to see Josh Allen, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, possibly Baker Mayfield, you know, basically collect their paydays. So yep. speaking of quarterbacks, and it seems like that's where you took the deep dive. Obviously, you're a big draft analyst. Let's talk about the 2021 quarterback class. Um, overall, I think it's a really good class. I think it's a little bit deeper than certain mm-hmm. people think. Now, I fully agree with the five players. There's five first rounders after that. You know, uh, you could you could be even reaching for a guy in the second round. I don't know if there will be a quarterback taken in the second round. I guess it just depends on how the first round shakes up, period. Point blank, if uh, teams get, like, their number one guy at whatever position they're drafting, they might look for that backup quarterback. You know, you have the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, the Washington football team doesn't have a quarterback. So, uh, the 2021 quarterback class, what are your overall thoughts before we kind of pick some players apart? What are just your overall thoughts of the quarterback class as a whole? You're actually the uh, the first person that I've heard, you know, give give it's, you know, give this quarterback class its its flowers. Um mm-hmm. it, it is pretty deep. There's a lot of guys that are going to go, you know, to round 7. They're going to go undrafted. There's several guys, you know, uh if they don't get drafted, I think at least 3 or 4 are going to go undrafted quarterbacks because like you said there's there's a lot of talent this for some reason i feel like this year is really a year that a lot of teams are gonna look for that future centerpiece or even just look for someone to build off of because you don't even have to be you know a guy that's going to be there for the longevity you can be one of like i like to call it a passing of the torch type of guy um i actually Mm -hmm. seen it in a video one time for wwe uh, they would give the the keys to somebody for yeah let's say about a season or two until they really get ready for that guy that they're going to set it in stone and really ride the wave with. Which There's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft that can go, you know, fourth, fifth, or sixth, even the seventh round, that can be those type of torch-passing kind of guys. Um, I mm-hmm. do feel like it's an extremely talented draft class. There's a lot, a lot of prospects that a lot of people aren't touching on just because those top five do require a lot of – they require a lot of attention just because, you know, there's a lot of competitiveness between the top five. Uh, but there are a couple people that definitely are getting getting the short end of the stick as draft. Yeah, so before we get and talk about those later after the top five, let's get into the top five quarterbacks. Um, I'm a huge Ohio State fan, so if you got some Justin Fields slander, tread lightly. No, I'm just joking, though. But, um, you know, we've seen Justin Fields, like, we'll, we'll talk about him first. Coming into last college football season, it was like, looked at Trevor Lawrence was 1A, Justin Fields was 1B. With a chance, you know, all odds were kind of on Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Who was going to have the better season and ultimately be QB1 coming into this draft? Now we're seeing a sense around the NFL that Justin Fields could be the fourth or fifth quarterback taken in this draft. Um, a report just came out yesterday, which shakes some things up, that he's dealing with uh, epilepsy. So I think, you know, with that being a neurological disorder, but he's had it under control up to this point. But I do think that could be even more shaky and hurt his stock a little bit for anybody, any teams that weren't high on Justin Fields anyway. But what do you think, why do you think Justin Fields went from QB2 after leading a team to a national championship down to 
possibly QB five. It's very possible that he's the fifth quarterback taken in his draft. Um, it's actually quite interesting because I'm pretty high on Justin Fields myself. Um, with that being said, I do understand why Zach Wilson is QB two on a lot of mock drafts. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. However, I do see the Jets front office from their standpoint. They're just trying to get a refresher. However, I definitely feel if you're trying to get a refresher, you shouldn't go after somebody that has the same traits as the quarterback you just got rid of. Now, Zach Wilson is above Justin Fields on almost every draft. It was probably maybe my first mock draft. I put Fields going to New York, and then all the speculation came out that Zach Wilson was going to be in Mm -hmm. New York. So, of course, I looked into it and did my reading, and it does feel like Zach uh, Zach Wilson is going to go to New York. I really don't like that Justin Fields is getting a little bit of the short end of the stick as well, just because they're putting guys like Mac Jones and Trey Lance above him. Um, I don't really see it panning out too well. I think Justin Fields is a tremendous quarterback. I do understand everybody's thinking, oh, well, let's look at the previous Ohio quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins, JT Barrett. They didn't pan out, which is which is correct. But I, I was talking about this last night with my guy Wayne Cole and uh, his buddy Vince, and I was telling them, Remember something, Dwayne Haskins and JT Barrett are Ohio prospects. Justin Fields came from the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, Ohio State was high on him when they were recruiting, but at the same time, Justin Fields spent a year in Georgia just, you know, building up with guys like Fromm, and I can't remember the other quarterback's name right now, but he was building up there, so he's not – totally an ohio state product but he is with an asterisk next to it you feel me and yeah. i do feel like there was games like the indiana game it really hurt his stock just because of the the productivity he put into that game i definitely feel like that was one of the things that hurt his stock now long term wise i feel like justin field is a quarterback that teams need to take seriously especially teams like san francisco 49ers who i hear are just starting to lean towards mac jones and i feel like they're going to be just like the jets if Zach Wilson goes to the Jets, you're just replacing Zach Wilson, or you're just replacing Sam Darnold with Zach Wilson. Same traits, same characteristics, damn near the same quarterback. Same thing mm-hmm. with San Francisco. If you take Mac Jones for Jimmy Garoppolo, they're getting a pocket passer, a pocket passer. Why are you gonna do? Why are you gonna run with the same thing they went with? Now I get it. At the same time, it did work. Okay, the first year Shanahan was there with Jimmy G, Super Bowl. I get it. That that was a huge success. Mac Jones is a winner. He understands what it takes to win. He's got a high IQ on the field. But I just feel like with the plays that Shanahan runs and the type of schemes he likes to go with offensively, why not go with a guy like Justin Fields who gives you more to work with? He His legs, I feel, are worth more than Trey Lance's. They're worth more than Mac Jones. who doesn't. Mac Jones doesn't even have legs. He's a mobile passer, you know? He doesn't, he's not a mobile passer. He's a pocket passer, I'm sorry. He sits in the pocket. He needs a good offensive line around him. Justin Fields, he knows what it's like to get hit. So he knows what it's like to go ahead and scramble out. Now, don't get me wrong. One of the main issues that a lot of people are treading a little bit off of Justin Fields is because he likes to favor that first option. But at the same time, this is what I want people to understand. The one negative on Trevor Lawrence's resume is he favors the first pass option just like Justin Fields. But if you compare the two, Justin Fields is more accurate, has more yards to his first option each year. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and then you brought up the biggest point, and um, that that's, it hits to where I want to go next with these quarterbacks, is that Justin Fields, like you said, the he's an Ohio State quarterback. And, and, you know, I love Ohio State to death, but we don't have a great track record. And then you mentioned that he's not even necessarily cut from that cloth. He wasn't an Ohio State recruit. But how many great Bama quarterbacks are there in the NFL? Outside of what, the the projection of Tua, there hasn't been a guy who's been highly successful in Alabama coming out of Alabama, and we watching Mac Jones skyrocket up the charts in a sense. I mean, you know, we're kind of seeing him have a Joe Burrow-like jump. Yes, yeah. he, he had a great season, 100%. Mm-hmm. But, like, Joe, it was just something different about Joe Burrow. Like, when you watch Burrow, it seemed like he had the it factor. And Burrow mm-hmm. was surrounded mm-hmm. by weapons, too. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, I love his story. Obviously, he was, you know, he transferred out of Ohio State. Yep. Respectively, he had to do what he had to do. Look at him now, you know, number one pick. Hopefully, he comes back healthy this year. But there was, watching Mac Jones and his climb up the charts is not the same as watching Joe Burrow and him climb up the charts. If you watch both of them play quarterback, Joe Burrow, it was just something about him. Sometimes it might seem unexplainable because you could talk about his accuracy. He was a really accurate quarterback. We could talk about his numbers. He had historic numbers, arguably probably the greatest season, individual season we've ever seen as a quarterback. But it was deeper than that. It was just the it. It was just the yep. plays he made, yep. you know, scrambling, like the the extended plays. It's, some, it's just something about that guy. When you watch him play, you you know the accuracy is there. You you have some of your questions, but when you watch him play, it's like he just makes it happen. I don't see that in Mac Jones. I see him more being a product of his weapons. I mean, you look yep. at Jalen Waddle was on track really to win the Heisman before he broke his ankle. Devontae Smith was playing great but benefited from Jalen Waddle. You know, his numbers skyrocketed and went up. So you're talking about possibly two Heisman wide receivers. We're talking about a running back who had every chance of being in the, you know, the Heisman race. Obviously, we know what Alabama's offensive line. We got, what, they have about, what, three offensive linemen in this draft that will be taken in the first two rounds. Mm -hmm. So we we look at the – the amount of talent he had, and don't get me wrong, Justin Fields had, you know, his, you know, yeah. amazing wide receiver core. He had his his questions at running backs, but he said, we know Ohio State carries that same talent. But just what is it about Mac Jones that he's just skyrocketing, especially because you said, I said, I've said this before, and I'm glad you said it. All they're doing by drafting Mac Jones, if San Francisco goes that route, is grabbing a younger Jimmy G. That's it to me, and that makes no sense. Like, if we don't love what Jimmy's, Jimmy G is doing and we don't think he can make us take that next step as a vet, why would we take a step back at quarterback to get the same guy but younger? You can't expect a rookie quarterback with the same exact traits is yep. going to make you take the next step. So what do you think it is about Mac Jones that's just so impressive? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his wide receivers favored him compared to Tua. I felt like that alone is going to give you a little bit of pizzazz because you're going, okay, look at how how high Tua went in the draft, okay? And then look at the talent. Now, yes, Tua did have Judy and Ruggs um, as well as Waddle and Devontae Smith, but Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle both said that they favor Mac Jones. Now, that could be just because he was their main quarterback. You know, Tua did have Judy and Ruggs to get to the draft, but I feel like, like you said, you have those two Heisman-like wide receivers giving praise to Mac Jones, who didn't have that much buzz. Now, mm-hmm. Mac Jones is getting a lot of buzz. I feel like, one, he's a winner. Two, his IQ is through the roof. He has an, he has an immense IQ. Don't get me wrong. He makes a lot of good decisions on the field. Very rare mm-hmm. did he throw an interception. Now, there were certain games where he did get caught slipping, but he's bounced back from that, and... I ultimately think it's just his IQ and his winning numbers give him that type of pizzazz. I'm, I really don't get that. Like you said, I don't get that it factor. I don't get that feeling from Mac Jones. I've watched the tape several times just because it uh, to rank that top five. I really had to just sit down and just analyze each one. And it just, it didn't move me. Like it just, it, I wasn't, I wasn't moved. I was more moved by the wide receiver play. You're right. He is, he's, put around some gems he's put on two mm-hmm. Heisman wide receivers who literally just go up and get the ball but there are a couple plays where he's literally just throwing it up there's two cornerbacks maybe a cornerback and a safety and the wide receiver Jalen Waddles is jumping up and going to get it and all that as Jalen Waddles nasty vertical tough mm-hmm. speed and just he has crazy hands that's just because Jalen Waddle is a first round wide receiver now yeah. don't get me wrong Mac Jones does have negatives. The whole DUI situation did come out, and I felt like that was the first thing that started to shake up his draft stock just because everybody was like, okay, Mac Jones is high. Alabama quarterback, he did all this at Alabama, yada, yada, yada. All the numbers that he put up this year, they were spectacular. But once that DUI came out, it was like everything shifted. Everybody was like, well, why did they hide this for so long? How come the country never heard about it? How did the public never hear about it? And it's true, that, that does play... A huge role because we've seen guys like Laramie Tunzel who 
literally got a video leaked of him, you know, smoking the day of the mm-hmm. draft, and it changed his whole career. His whole career has changed. You know, the whole foundation of the Dolphins shifted because of that video. And I feel like it's things like that that teams do need to take into consideration. Um, but Mac Jones is uh, his draft stock. It's it's like a uh, it's like stocks. It really is like stocks. Like it just goes up and down. Just one day it's really up. Everybody's high on him. They're posting his pro day videos. One day it's down. They're posting something negative about him. Some negative content that he did in a game. You know he's mislooking passers. Whatever. It's 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 fifty fifty with me Matt right now. Mac Jones is my QB five. I don't rank him as high as other people do. People have him ranked as the QB three. Um, some even have him ranked as the QB two. They just have Zach Wilson still going to the Jets, just because that's who New York favored and has favored since getting rid of Sam Darnold. But we'll definitely have to see. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I just want to touch up on Trey Lance before we go to like yeah. the bottom half of the quarterbacks. Because uh, I definitely want to give those guys their flowers, too, because there's a few that impress me, not going to lie. There's some I might be a little bit high on. But just what are your little, your thoughts on Trey Lance? Because we talk about Justin Fields and what he could do, his dynamic you know, ability. I think Trey Lance is of that same caliber. Obviously, he didn't do it on as big of a stage. So I think there's a question right there. Obviously, he doesn't have the two-year starting experience, only played one year, one game this year. But what are your overall thoughts on Trey Lance? I think Trey Lance has a lot of raw talent. Um, it's funny. I know a lot of people. I mean, some people might look at me crazy, but I see a lot of Cam Newton in his game. I see a lot of Cam Newton. He's very mobile. He's built like a linebacker, just like Cam is. Um, he's very intelligent. But a lot of people don't know, and I really didn't take into consideration a whole lot of, was that at North Dakota, he caught a lot of his plays. Like a lot of his plays are him just in the huddle on the fly. The only person with an IQ like that that I've really compared to just be like super intelligent is Justin Herbert, who had to learn what five different offenses or four different offenses in five years. But if you're mm-hmm. calling your own plays at that level, at a collegiate level where your coach trusts you and you're going out and putting up the numbers that Trey Lance put up, you know, like you said, the talent was an, an interesting factor just because of the division he played in. But at the end of the day, you look at Zach Wilson and you're like, well, everybody's high on him, and look at the talent that he played at BYU, right? Trey Lance, mm-hmm. he's a dual threat. He's a pure dual threat, the second-best dual threat in this draft. He's my QB4. I really hope that he's a future New England Patriot. If they are going to trade up for a quarterback, I want it to be Trey Lance, just because, like I've told my guys um, at the MNR show, if he gets to sit behind eight games to a year, behind one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks to ever grace the game of football in Cam Newton, the possibilities are endless. He has the talent. He has the characteristics. He has the tangibles to be great. Now, yes, that one factor is that he didn't play a whole lot. The one mm-hmm. game this season did hurt him. However, he did go. He had a nice game. He put up, like a, I think it was like 100-plus passing yards, 100-plus rushing yards, which showed his dual-threat capability. Now, I feel like teams – they're going to underlook him just because that he only had that one year as a starter. But mm-hmm. if they do want a quarterback that's going to sit for eight games to a year, just sit behind a veteran type guy, learn the playbook, learn the plays, learn the offense. Trey Lance is that type of player. I had him originally, I had him going to Atlanta for a while. It was between him and Justin Fields. And then when the Niners made that trade, it just kind of shook the draft up for a whole lot of teams. Um, mm-hmm. Now I really do feel like if New England is going to trade up for quarterback, let it be Trey Lance. Like I said, I'm not too high on Mac Jones. I really just – I don't feel like he's the truth. I feel like Mac Jones is going to be one of those passing the torch type quarterbacks. He's not going to be a – you know, he's not going to be a household name. He's a household name now because of what he did at Alabama. But let's give it about three to four years. We're going to reflect on the top five quarterbacks in this 2021 draft. And I feel like Mac Jones is going to be the one that kind of just – slipped through the cracks and just didn't pan out trey lance like i said he has the tangibles he has the raw talent if he can just get the right coach with the right development and the right offensive coordinator who can play to his strengths the possibilities are endless and right now i think that is the new england patriots truthfully yeah and then i mean like you said what what better for a guy to sit behind a year than a guy who you compare him to like you get to learn from your comparison and obviously you know cam newton 
He's not the MVP cam that he was in 2015. We know that. But I think, you know, he was kind of, in my opinion, he was set up for failure in New England. You know, he didn't have a lot of, um, mm-hmm. he wasn't given a lot of weapons. Obviously, you know, no offseason to learn the offense. And we know how complicated New England's offense can be. So it was just, he was at a competitive disadvantage to me. Uh, so I, I hope Cam does some great things this year, whether it be because he's competing for a starting spot, wins, and has to keep it all year, get some weapons around him. I would love to see the success of Cam Newton just because I hate to see such a talent, such a talented guy yep. who is as great as he was, you know, just practically almost get exiled. You know, he almost got the Carmelo Anthony treatment. Yep. But there was a point in time where we didn't think he would have a spot on a roster and then, you know, eventually ended up like okay he's there he shows us a little bit flashed us that cam still has it we've seen it like you know against seattle like he played a really great game almost ran it in they almost beat seattle like we seen we saw that cam newton still has it does he have it consistently that'll be the biggest question going into this season as far as for him personally but i want to i want to talk you know like i said i think this is a little bit deeper draft than than people are talking about and like you said because of what we just did we talked about the five prospects obviously the first round guys the superstars from the superstar colleges is obviously who we're talking about but then there's some guys from some big schools that aren't getting a lot of love two guys i'm high on in this draft and i'm not high that they're going to be stars i just one think they're going to be better than people realize and two i think they may end up in better situations which always is the case for later draft picks. Typically, they end up in a better situation than, say, Trevor Lawrence, who has to go save a franchise in Jacksonville. Zach Wilson, who has to go save a franchise um, in New York. York. Mm -hmm. And we know that's been a dumpster fire. I think Jacksonville has some type of hope. I think, you know, being able to bring Urban Meyer, I think there's Mm -hmm. a little bit of – there's going to be enough culture. There's going to be enough, like, attraction to bring people into Jacksonville. We know, like, the Jets is like, you go there to die. That's basically where guys have gone and their career dies. And when they leave, they're revived again. It's almost like everybody who leaves the Jets and and plays at any position has a case for comeback player of the year Mm -hmm. just because we thought their career was over. But I'm high on Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask. Those are my two guys outside of the top five. I don't, I don't know if I have them six or seven. I got those guys six or seven. I got uh, Kyle Trask six. I got Kellen Mond seven. Um, to me, what Kyle Trask did was very impressive at Florida this past year. I understand, and and we can make the same the same case we make for Mac Jones. We can make for Kyle Trask. Uh, you know, as far as having Kyle Pitts, who's probably going to be a top five pick this year. Yep. Kadarius Tony, who's you know, stock has risen. Is probably going to be a first-round wide receiver this year. But to, a lot of times for me, it's not fair that some of these quarterbacks, well, you know, look at their talent. You know, sometimes to me, Mac Jones was a benefit of that because he had to wait till you know, his fourth, his senior year to start. So to me, Neville was that good, or he always got out there. He had to wait his turn. But then Kyle Trask, he's kind of the same story. But I think, like, Florida was less of a competitive advantage, and I think his last game is what ultimately killed his draft stock. Because I think throughout the season, Trask was climbing. What do you? What, how do you look at Kyle Trask? What do you think of him? So Kyle Trask, just like you, I have Kyle Trask as my QB6. I think he's extremely talented. I feel like if he falls into the correct hands, I feel like he can be extremely successful. He's one of those quarterbacks that I feel can go to a team that's dying – like the Chicago Bears, and he can potentially turn it around because they have weapons already, guys like Allen Robinson who are ready to play. Um, if he can fall into the hand there, because if anybody's really believing that the Cowboys are about, I mean the Cowboys, that the Bears are going to ride off into the sunset this season with Andy Dalton, that's, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting to see. I don't see it happening. I feel like Kyle Trask does have a lot. He brings a lot to the table. Those last two games that he did have, they those were the ones that kind of raised an eyebrow. But if you take those two games away from his entire collegiate career, Kyle Trask could potentially be a top five quarterback. At the beginning of the year, he was a dark horse Heisman candidate. To be a dark horse Heisman candidate and then potentially just fall off the face of college football because – you had, what, two bad games. One of them was because of my Sooners, who were just 
on one that game. You think he had like three picks that game. You know, you just yeah, that game was crazy. I think yeah, that was it, unexpected it, it, to the, yeah. the whole world, even Oklahoma fans. Like I just, I didn't expect that performance from Kyle Trask. Yeah, I I didn't think he was gonna throw as many interceptions. I knew it wasn't gonna go the Gators' way just because Tony was getting ready for the draft, Pitts is getting ready for the draft. So his weapons did, they were gone. Grimes, mm-hmm. Trevon Grimes, who's a third, fourth um, round wide receiver, he also left and got ready for the draft. So. Kyle Trask was really left with the short end of the stick, but he stuck through it, and he went ahead and still played the game. He's extremely smart. He played like, all four years with Florida. Extremely mm-hmm. smart. He's extremely accurate. It's rare that Kyle Trask threw an interception. Those, Like I said, those last three games were just the ones that just raised eyebrows. But if you take away those last two to three games, he's rarely thrown a pick. Um, he has some great vision. You know, having guys like Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony. One, Kadarius Tony is a Swiss Army knife. He can literally play the slot. He can play wide out. It really doesn't matter where he lines up. He's able to get him the ball. guy like Kyle Pitts, who you need to feed every single game because of the just the imposing figure that he is on the field. You know that he's going to get the ball. He's kind of a guy like Travis Kelsey. You just know he's going to catch the ball at some point in the game. You know, at mm-hmm. some point, they're going to try to get it into his hands. So, Kyle Trask did have the benefit of those two, like you said, first-round picks. Um, Tony being a potential first-round pick. Kyle Pitts, for sure, top-five pick. If he does slip out of the top five, I really don't know what teams are thinking. I really hope he falls to Atlanta at this point. Um, But Kyle Trask, I really like. He can be the beneficiary of some teams' really bad doubt. Um, Guys like the Vikings, who Kirk Cousins, you know, going to be interesting to see what happens with him uh chicago i definitely feel like needs to take a look at either mac jones if he's still on the board or b if kyle trask is available i definitely feel like in a second potentially chicago can go out and reach for kyle trask yeah 100 percent. what what about kellen mom because i i see you know somebody like brought it to my attention too and was like he kind of is Dak prescott and in that's true in a sense like you look at Dak coming out of Mississippi State. Um, obviously, Dak had got that DUI, and that affected his draft stock. But, like, they're almost built the same. They almost play the same way. Obviously, I feel like Mississippi State hit the map really hard, you know, when Dak was there his last year. We're ranked number one at one point during the season, undefeated. Looked like they were going to play for a national championship. Ultimately, that's not what happened. Uh, they kind of flunked out at the end of the season. Schedule got a little bit tougher. But it is... Is that a good comparison for Kellen Mond? Is that he's kind of this year's Dak Prescott? Um, it's kind of interesting. I'm really not high on Kellen Mond. There's a lot of guys that are high on Kellen Mond. I have him ranked as my QB ten. I have a couple of quarterbacks that I've I seen that. that I, I did really, see that that I will put over Kellen Mond, and it's just because of those mechanics. Those they're gonna be really hard to break, especially at the level where you're already supposed to have your mechanics and everything down. But mm-hmm. after watching his pro day, just that throwing motion, it's going to be very interesting to see. Now, I have watched him in film. I've watched him make throws. I don't really see a whole comparison to Dak Prescott. Now, I might throw some people off with this one, but he reminds me a lot of Colin Kaepernick out of Nevada. A lot of people, if they go back and watch the Colin Kaepernick film, and then you mm-hmm. go watch the film from Kellen Mond, you're going to see a lot of similarities in the fact that they'll scramble out of the pocket, hold the ball like this the entire way, and if they don't see a receiver open or an option that they like, they're just going to go ahead and tuck and run for about 35 yards. Kellen Mond is a dual-threat quarterback. He can potentially – he can do the damn thing. Like I said, I'm just not high on him myself. I feel like if he does fall to a team like Minnesota, who could benefit from a, a – a position switch, you know, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, who I feel is a mobile passer, Kellen Mond, a dual threat type of quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see, but I feel like if you go back to the times where the Vikings had Teddy Bridgewater, who is a dual threat, he succeeded there. The Vikings were looking like a, what was it, like a top five team at the yeah. time. So if you can get a guy that goes back in there, runs around and can just electrify the field, which Justin Jefferson, don't get me wrong, he's electrifying. Out of LSU, he's fucking amazing. Like I think he's one of the best receivers right now. Mm-hmm. But 
Kirk Cousins just – he's not that Redskins Kirk Cousins who really just gave you that – like, you're just – you feel his game. Like, I feel like yeah. he just went to Minnesota. Like, his career is just slowly declining. So, if a guy like Kellen Mond can get in there and they give Kirk Cousins maybe five or six games, they don't really go their way. And then you see a guy like Kellen Mond come in and just have that Cinderella-type story, I definitely feel like it can get to that point. But right now, it's just those mechanics and that video. It's I, you know, I'm not a quarterback myself, so I'm not really one to judge. But going based off the analyst in me, watching those pros, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. Um, just because when you get to that next level, you can't do a whole lot that you did at the collegiate level, where he was able to just scramble out and just make whatever throw he wanted, really. Um, especially with his mechanical arm that he has, a lot of people were kind of. I read the comments when I think it was a Bleacher Report. I think dropped his uh, pro day video and everyone was just like, yuck or ew. And I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of my uh, response too. It's, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. He's going to be an interesting story for sure. Um, but like I said, I have him ranked as my QB 10. There's just still a couple quarterbacks I'm going to put above Kellen Mond. Yeah. So to get into those couple quarterbacks, uh, I kind of, so my question is we talk about the top five um, and I'll go back to the top five to, to ask you the same question about the top five. So outside of the top five quarterbacks, what guy do you see? And obviously this is all projection. You know, we don't know where they're going yet. I guess we could better evaluate this after the draft and see what kind of situation. Now we can know some expectations. What guy outside of the top five quarterbacks do you see having the most successful NFL career? Um, So that's actually that's going to be a trick question for me just because I have – two guys in mind one mm-hmm. being he's not gonna be a starting quarterback he's gonna have a successful longevity career um it's gonna be shane buclaley out of smu a lot mm-hmm. of people don't really know who that is a lot of people aren't really gonna hear his name up until the draft he's potentially looking like a sixth or seventh round maybe even undrafted free agent but he's extremely smart he's a five-year co- college player i know a lot of people kind of like don't really like five-year players just because they feel like they benefited a little bit more. But he made the most of it. He's a traveler. He came from Texas to SMU. He He's a battler, which I like. He's extremely competitive. So he has that competitive edge as a quarterback, which teams need. Now, he isn't really – he doesn't have that it factor at all. Right. He doesn't have that factor where he wows you or impresses you. But his IQ on the field, it reminds you a lot of a guy like Kellen Moore who – wasn't a successful starting quarterback or Chase Chase Daniels, not a successful starting quarterback, but they're still in the league because they have the IQ. Now, right. a guy like Shane Buclaley can read the field. He can adapt to offensive playbooks. And he's ultimately – he's in a, he's a great backup. Like, it, it's hard to tell somebody, like, yeah, you should draft this backup QB to be a backup. But Shane Buclaley right now is looking like the best option to be a backup for a generational quarterback. Now, he's going to be one of those guys that does get bounced around the league. I do expect that a lot. I do expect him to, you know, wind up on several teams. But he's going to be successful in a sense of he's going to make his money. He's going to take care of his family. And he's going to be in the NFL. I mean, what what more can you ask for at that point? The second guy Mm -hmm. being successfully, a lot of people really aren't talking about him just because he opted out this past season and he had a lot of just stuff going on with, one, the transfer portal to his opt-out, Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman, he came from Wake Forest. He transferred to Georgia. Obviously didn't play Georgia because of the whole COVID situation. He's he's talented. He's one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in this draft. Um, at Wake Forest, he put on shows, him and Sage Surratt and David Bell, who a lot of people are sleeping on this year. Invest your stock in David Bell as a quarterback. I mean, as a wide receiver. He's going to be something to really watch. But it's going to be interesting to see. Jamie Newman, I feel, can be successful just because he has the dual threat capability. He's electrifying. If you watch his tape, his tape will really make you go like, you know, like you'll move in your seat a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys too, like Trey Lance didn't play a whole lot, so that's going to hurt his stock. But if we're looking at projections and maybe rounds 
five through seven, if you're looking for a quarterback that can develop for maybe two to three years and then come in and take over the keys um, and be a torch player and even potentially get into the playoffs and just be, you know, just be electrifying on your team and potentially earn that longevity starting role, it's going to be Jamie Newman, who is he's a worker. He's working every day. He had he had some great pro days. I watched the senior bowl. He had a great senior bowl, which a lot of people um, didn't really take into consideration just because everybody was focused on the top five. But Jamie right. Newman is definitely going to be a guy that I feel like a lot of people need to look out for going forward in the draft. Yeah, and he's a guy who actually, you know, uh, had like high expectations coming into the season had he played, you know, at the University of Georgia. Once he transferred to Georgia, uh, basically people was like, okay, Georgia going to kind of turn their office mm-hmm. and woes around with Jamie Newman. Like there were high expectations for him going into Georgia, obviously him not playing. Like you said, any, especially when we talk about a quarterback, like we're killing, there's got, there's people out here killing Justin Fields and he fought to have a season and you, but like for him, you almost look at, he might've been better off the big 10, not playing this year. Like because of two games, you know, Justin Fields stock is depleting over two Mm -hmm. games, but he still led his team to the national championship. You know, we could say, well, he only played six games or whatever to win the Big Ten. I understand that. But then put on a sensational performance against Clemson. That yeah. At that point, people were like, oh, my God, QB won. You know, after he outdueled Trevor yeah. Lawrence and went on to the National Championship. Bad performance in the National Championship. Uh, he didn't play great. Obviously, I think, you know, Alabama just had their number, period. You know, at every position group. Uh, Mac Jones obviously played a lot better. Devontae yeah. Smith just killed this. It was just, it was one of those demoralizing games that it was tough to really continue to play great for and think about the NFL scouts when you're just getting, you know, basically getting your ass kicked at every aspect of the game, yeah. the run game, the pass game, the, the pass rush. You can't stop Alabama to save your life. So now, you know, I want to get into our last topic. We talked. A lot about quarterbacks, which I love. I'm a big quarterback guy. I love, you know, college quarterbacks. I love analyzing the prospects. But now, you know, we talk about the stars of the draft in the quarterback class. Let's talk about the biggest sleepers in the draft. Um, Just to name my first one, my biggest, one of my biggest sleepers, based on his position and who gets talked about, you hear his name none at all. And it's Shakur Brown. Uh, out of Michigan State, the corner out of Michigan State. Why I'm so high on him is like my theory of guys being battle-tested. And so I look at, you know, some of the receivers that have come out the past couple years out of the Big Ten, the talent that they have, you know, they've had that have still remained in school. Penn State has always had a wide receiver one that has a ch- that's gone to the NFL. Ohio State, obviously, there are a plethora of wide receivers that we're going to constantly see their names you know, in the draft over the next few years. Michigan, you know, going from Donald, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, they had quarterback issues, but they never had wide receiver issues. They went from Donovan Peoples-Jones to this year, you know, another guy I'll get into, Nico Collins. But Shakur Brown, he's battle-tested. I think that's why a guy like Rashawn Slater, his draft stock as an offensive lineman, first off, he's important, but then that's why his draft stock is rising because of, you know, the pass rush that he's had to go against by being yeah. an offensive lineman at Northwestern. You talk about, you know, Nick Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Michael Parsons, yep. uh, away from, from Penn State. Like, you look at the guys he's, he's had to block. Tested. Yep, He's battle-tested. I think Shakur Brown falls in the same category. That's why I'm so big on him. And I also look at when I talk about it's where you'll get drafted. I think his stock, he will be drafted probably – fifth sixth round but i think he'll turn out to be a feasible starter for the next seven to eight years uh i don't know how much you know about shakur brown but that's one of my guys who are a couple of your biggest sleepers so biggest sleepers i actually want to get into um two db candidates uh one being a guy uh from the pac-12 i'm from california so i'm very huge on the pac-12 i, I try to tune into as many games as i can it's going to be stanford's um cornerback actually paulson adebo He's a zone coverage corner. That's what I called him. Um, mm-hmm. He's extremely, extremely physical, which a lot of people like in the corner position. You like to have a guy that just really he gets in your he gets in a wide receiver's face. He gets hands on him. You know, somebody that's really ready to ride for the entire team. Um, I feel like he has some tremendous ball skills. Um, I feel like he plays the football well. 
in a sense of he knows when he can pick it, he knows when he can swat it, he knows when he can puck it out. I mm-hmm. feel like that's extremely important in today's game. You want to be a little versatile rather than just bring one type of characteristic or trait to the table. And the one thing that just really impresses me that only the only other person I gave this trait to is Chris Olave is he's a silent assassin. Paul Simon mm-hmm. Bebo, he goes out on the field, he puts his work in, and he doesn't talk. He doesn't talk no shit. He doesn't go back and forth. He just works. And that, to me, is a rare. That's a guy like like Tim, Tim Duncan. You look at Tim Duncan. He goes out there. He's quiet, doesn't talk all that shit, and he just goes out there and works. And those are the mm-hmm. kind of guys that I feel. You know, you do like to have a guy like Jalen Ramsey who – don't get me wrong. Jalen Ramsey is my favorite corner in the NFL because I love that he gets in a wide receiver's ear when he's putting it on him. But it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Paulson Adebo who – can be giving a wide receiver the absolute clamps and not saying anything to him. Like the mind games just in silence alone can go a long way, just like trash talking can. So Paulson Adivo is going to be one of those guys that I feel like a lot of people need to look out for another cornerback that a lot of people aren't talking about, but I feel like it's very interesting that people aren't talking about him. It's going to be Kerry Vincent jr. From LSU. He's mm-hmm. also a zone coverage corner. He's, He's tremendous. His pro day numbers, they were ecstatic. He had some excessive, excessive speed and versatility while playing at LSU. He's one of those guys you can move around the field and play different positions. Now, he can't play true to those positions like a guy like Tyron Matthew who can play linebacker, safety, cornerback whenever he likes to. But if needed on a defensive scheme or certain plays, he can bounce around and move around the defense, which I really like because it gives you that versatility look and because he's a zone coverage cornerback he features all those skills in the zone no matter what position he plays yeah and that it's it's a surprise that he's not getting you know uh the love that you would think uh that you're accustomed to an lsu db getting mm-hmm. um so you know it's one of those he's definitely a sleeper i i can never count out a guy coming out of lsu as a defensive back and you're not getting a lot of love I would find that, like, yeah, you definitely fall under sleeper status. Speaking of DBs, actually another guy, you know, you're a University of Oklahoma guy. So when you said when you were going a second DB, I actually thought you were going to go this route. Think you weren't trying to be much of a homer. But Trey Brown. Trey, um, yeah. I don't, I don't I, get I love Trey. Yeah, and I, and I think he – I think because him and Shakur Brown, those are guys I look at where they're going to go. They're going to go in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. I think Trey Brown – I think he might sneak into that third round. It just I think he's a guy that depends on, you know, teams, where they're how they're looking at him and how they end up drafting. You know, obviously surprise picks and and things like of that nature end up I think he could sneak into that third round. I don't think he drops outside of the fourth round. That's just my opinion from what I've seen from him on the field. And then you talk about another guy battle tested. He was a corner in the Big Twelve. We know the Big 12 puts up crazy offensive numbers. We know he knows how to consistently play against the pass game. And obviously, like, we're even seeing in the NFL more Big 12-type play. It's more of an offensive game than it is a defensive game. So anybody on the defensive side of the ball is already at a disadvantage when we talk about grading them for the draft because even corner is starting to become not a sexy pick. Like, you look at the Cowboys at 10. They need a corner. But there's still questions. There's still people raising eyebrows that they still might go offense, whether it be offensive linemen because it's aging. But then there's still people saying, you know, for for whatever reason, if Kyle Pitts, you know, falls to 10, does Dallas do it? I think under that circumstance, 100 percent. Yeah, because you you definitely pull the trigger on anything. Any like I said, if Kyle Pitts falls out of the top five, any team that needs a talent or somebody that's just going to automatically improve your offense needs to go get them. And I feel like literally anybody out of the top five is a candidate to take Kyle Pitts, no matter what type of pick you need. Maybe, maybe the Denver Broncos don't really need Kyle Pitts just because they have a guy like Noah Fant who's just getting the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. But anybody outside of the top five definitely needs to look at Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and I've even seen like, you know, to the point of like the offense – I've seen that people, you know, um, a Cowboys writer 
for at USA Today was like basically raising questions that if Jalen Waddle is available at ten, does Dallas jump on that or do they stick to their guns and go corner? That's just you know for me, I think corner is the number one need. Secondary help is the number one need for the Dallas Cowboys. So, but that just goes to show that defense isn't even the sexy pick anymore. You know, outside of like when you you've seen a Chase Young, they have to be like a once in a generation defensive player. For people to really love that pick, unless outside of that, it's quarterbacks and wide receivers is the sexiest pick. Offensive linemen, when you have a young guy, they're starting to become like, okay, I, I love that we got an offensive lineman. You know, 10 years ago, no matter how great the offensive lineman was, they would get booed sometimes yeah. when Roger Goodell would come up to the stage just because people were like, who? Like all this talent out there, and we go get an offensive lineman as if linemen you could get in any round. I think this mm-hmm. is a deep I think this is a deep class of offensive linemen. So to have that mindset, if you're not getting Slater or Sewell, I I, I could agree that ah, we could have waited to the second round, especially if you know we see like the situation where like Ceedee Lamb drops all the way to 18. Dallas didn't need a wide receiver, but when you get a, a guy, that's a luxury. You yeah. have to yeah. jump on that. When a Ceedee Lamb, who arguably was the best wide receiver in the draft, falls to 18, and you're looking for a third wide receiver. Or, or your second and move Gallup as your third option, how you wanted to do it, you have to jump on that because then you're coming at looking who's the best available. And he's the best available regardless of position need. At 18, you don't need a quarterback. Uh, and then that goes to show my, my next biggest sleeper, uh, I close out with it, Nico Collins. Uh, I hate Michigan, so I hate giving anybody their flowers. But I was, bit, I was high on Donovan Peoples-Jones coming into hit, uh, the draft last year. And it was because he was really talented. He had got injured, you know, his last year. So that hurt his draft stock a little bit. But then you've seen the little bit of impact he had at Cleveland. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. goes out. And you see Donovan Beeple Jones have a couple good games, a few key plays that basically turned the table and had Cleveland win some games. Um, he was the difference, or he made a play. I won't say they won because of him, but he made a play when a play needed to be made by a wide yeah. receiver. And Baker Mayfield, he was on you know, the receiving end of a couple of those. Yeah. I think Nico Collins is the same thing. I think he's talented. Uh, we talk about, you know, I'm big on battle-tested. You know, we look at Greg Newsom, who's a, a top-tier corner coming into this draft, you know, out of Northwestern. Nico Collins is going head-to-head against him. You know, outside of, you know, kind of the poor talent that Ohio State produced at DB this year, he's gone against, you know, he's had to face last year, uh, Arnett, Okuda. So I look at all, you know, I, I look at the talent that he's played against, and then I look at him and, and the benefit of the, or the, he's going to benefit from playing with a lot better quarterback than he played at Michigan. So I think Nico Collins is another sleeper. Him and then one more wide receiver, Tutu Atwell out of Louisville. Uh, He reminds me a lot of a prior prospect who played when Lamar Jackson was there. Uh, If I think DJ Quick, I I think that was his name. But he reminds me a lot of him, but a little bit better. I was high on Quick. not Like, he was one of my sleepers. I'm not going to say I was high on him like I thought he was the best receiver. But he was one of my sleepers in the draft. Obviously, he didn't turn out to do much. But it's something about Tutu Atwell that deserves a little more praise than what he's getting. I get, you know, he went to Louisville. Louisville didn't have a top-tier quarterback. They weren't a, you know, if they had Lamar Jackson, you'd know his name. Like, people would really know his name. But they didn't have nothing about them that just screams, oh, my God, you got to watch Louisville, Yeah, you know, on a Saturday. Especially in a COVID crazy season, we just hoping there's games. So, I think, you know, I, I think he's, he's a top-10 wide receiver. As far as his draft stock, I think he'll be one of – the first 10 wide receivers taken, but I think he's going to be a guy who's going to benefit, go to a good situation. And he may not be all around more talented than we say a Jalen Waddle, but he might just happen to go play in a better offensive scheme with a better quarterback. And that makes the difference. You know, you could see Jalen Waddle have to, he might go to Detroit and Jared Goff be his quarterback. He could go to Carolina and Sam Darnold be his quarterback where Tutu Atwell could go in the second round, and he could end up going to Cincinnati in the second round. He could end up going to Green Bay. Yep, and Aaron Rodgers being his quarterback, you know, could they could if they if they really value him, they could take him uh, this year in the first round. I don't think his stock is rising that high, but 
if somebody like Green Bay is very high on him, I don't know if he falls, you know, that deep in the second round. But he's another guy. I'm big on wide receivers and corners. I love I just think individually, outside of watching the trenches of you know offensive line and defensive line, I think those wide receiver corner matchups, it's like it separates the boys to men. Those are the true like, and I think those are the easiest to grade in a sense, um, because you just see flat out man to man matchups. I think it's tougher when you start going at those guys. How do wide receivers play when teams play a zone against them? But you know, those are some of my biggest sleepers. Is there anybody else you want to throw in there before we close out? Yeah, two more guys that I really want to touch on just because I do feel like they're going to be super successful in the league. Mm -hmm. um, now, one guy, I was saving it. I was saving, you know, all my Sooner love for one guy uh, that's going to be my running back, Ramondre Stevenson, who a lot of people aren't really looking at as a sexy running back. But mm -hmm. I feel like because of how deep, deeply offensively talented this draft is, Ramondre Stevenson is going to be one of those guys that slips through the cracks round three or four. But he reminds me a lot now. Like I, I, I don't really like comparing players just because I feel like each player is an individual. Each player is their own person. Now, when I do compare players, I do feel like I just see a lot of their gameplay within them. Now, I see a lot of Marshawn Lynch in Ramondre Stevenson. Now, mm -hmm. I lot, know a lot of people are going to be like, uh, you're kind of tripping there. But if you watch Marshawn play and you listen to Marshawn's teammates Marshawn thinks that he is a shifty back in a big man's body Ramondre Stevenson also thinks that he's a shifty back in a big man's body if you can put a shifty back in a big man's body you have a recipe for success one mm -hmm. he can already run through everybody that's not a problem two it takes more than one defensive back to tackle him unless you have a guy like Jamal Adams who's just built like Jamal Adams ready to just you know knock somebody down their problems just because if they have open space, they have the agility to go ahead and get around you. If they don't want to run you over, they have the vision to just perform through traffic. They can hit the narrow holes, but they can also hit the perimeter. And he's not a bad pass catcher. Now, a lot of people, are, I'm not looking at him as a dual threat running back, but he is one of those guys that possesses the potential to be a starting running back. Even if he's a compliment guy, which I wouldn't be mad about, he has the, the potential to be, you know, one of those home run hitting guys, you know. Like I said, he's a big body, so teams could look at him as a red zone type of guy. Third down, back, left, let him hammer it in. But don't be surprised if teams are like, hey, like a team like the Steelers who could be in the need for a running back and can get the one get one in the later rounds. If they're like, hey, let's just, let's wait. Let's get, some off let's get an offensive tackle. Let's get something for the defense. Bam, let's get Ramondre Stevenson. I'm not saying the Steelers should look at Ramondre Stevenson, but in a scenario like that where teams can wait till the third, fourth, I hope it doesn't even get to the fifth round that he's still there. They can still benefit from that. Now, the last mm -hmm. guy I want to touch on is someone who I had, I believe, like maybe one or two pedestals over Tutu Atwell, and that's going to be Houston's wide receiver, Marquez Stevenson, who a lot of people really aren't talking about, but I feel like he needs he needs to get talked about. He's one of the fastest receivers in the draft. He's a speed demon. That's what I call him. He's a guy that's mm – -hmm. he's not like Tyreek Hill, but they possess some similar traits. Because I, I hate – that's one one guy that I hate getting comps for because he's just – he's a unicorn. Like, he's one of those players that he's undersized. So, you look at him and he's you're like, nah, he can't play wide out. He's only a slot receiver. But then he lines up wide out and he's got 10 feet of separation – catching an 85-yard bomb. So it's like, you really, you know, you have to look at guys like that. A guy like Marquez Stevenson, who is just a bit undersized, he can get the separation. He is quick off the line. He has great vision in traffic. He can play the slot if needed. I feel like he's going to benefit the most as a wideout, but because he's a bit undersized, they're going to treat him a little bit smaller and try to put him in a slot, which isn't bad because if he goes to a team where he's the wide receiver two, wide receiver three option, He's still going to get his touches every now and then. He's still going to be able to break off for a huge gain. And with the type of speed that he has, if you give him an in route with a bunch of daylight, you're looking at a home run. So those are definitely mm -hmm. the last two guys that I wanted to touch on as far as sleepers in this draft. Yeah, 100%, bro. So, you know, I, I came into the show and gave you the introduction, bro. So I'm going to allow you to basically give everybody, you know, your social media following, where to check out your podcast, where to check out your your position evaluations that everybody can see, any upcoming projects that you would like to share with us? 
Uh, yeah, so make sure you guys check me out at Alec Elijah 12 on Twitter. That's where you can catch all my mocks, my position evaluation. You can also catch them on Instagram as well at SSWA Podcast at Sports Sesh with Alec Elijah. Uh, make sure you guys follow me, like, and subscribe my videos on YouTube. Um, as far as upcoming projects, I do have a draft show, my first ever one, next week on the 28th uh, with the MNR show and my guy from Kansas City Chiefs Sports Illustrated, Jordan Foote. I do got some stuff coming up on YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to my channel and be on the lookout for that. Uh, but other than that, it's going to be it for me today. Yeah, hey, I appreciate you for coming on, bro. Everybody knows where to follow me, Up in Flames, wherever you can get your podcast, Up in Flames Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I appreciate everybody who tuned in. Uh, I appreciate everybody who listens live, who will be listening, you know, on the audio version when it does drop. Alec, I appreciate you, bro. You were a great guest. Huge insight. Glad to be able to talk draft with a big time, you know, a big guy who's a draft evaluator. Um, you know, even brought some names that I'm going to be able to pay attention to. You know, the draft is in, what, a week now? So yep. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to tuning into your show on draft day and being able to, you know, maybe even link up again after the draft and talk yeah, about definitely. some of these prospects and who 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 we thought was going to go higher, who fell, you know, things like that. But, you know, on that note, up in flames.